Welcome to another episode of Who Says No. I am one of your hosts, Sam Quinn, and it is a very big day. Who else could we have on this big day? Technically, because we both live on the West Coast, although I guess it's true everywhere. It is deadline day. We are recording at 12.33 a.m. on the West Coast. I wouldn't have it any other way. He is my partner. He is my co-host, Colin Ward-Henninger. Colin, how are you feeling on deadline day? I'm so pumped up. The deadline is finally here. It's the day we've all been waiting for it. It sounds like we have, look, we've already had one trade. It sounds like we're going to have a few more. Uh, this is this is kind of one of the days along with the start of free agency, you know, in terms of not actual basketball being played on the court. The, that Those two in draft day are probably the three biggies. You got any other ones? Uh yeah, I think you're probably right. But the thing about the draft and free agency is that they're so close together that like that whole week, it's really a marathon. Like I'm thinking about it for us as media people and like what our schedule is like, like what is your sleep schedule going to be like today? Like we have what, 12 hours now until the deadline. How much are you going to sleep? Like what's your schedule like? What are the next 12 hours going to look like for you? Yeah, I've got it. You know, so, you know, we've got to chop this up, get this thing posted because you got to give the people what they want. They're going to need they're going to crave this in the morning when they wake up. They want to know all the rumors. Uh, then, uh, you know, I got to be up relatively early for me. So I'll probably get up around like nine ish, nine a.m. Uh, Pacific time. And by then we'll probably have some trades. And then I got some HQ. And then what's nice about being on the West Coast is the deadline's over by noon. So. You know, you have the, the rest of the day to, to analyze and write and, you know, dissect and do all that all that fun stuff. But, you know, I, you know, I, I can't rave enough about West Coast time. I don't understand how people live on, on Eastern time, um, but I, I'm not complaining. I think it's going to be it's a great day. Much better for us as sports people. I mean, game starting at 4 p.m. You can't ask for anything better than that. I am probably not going to sleep much. As most of you know, I do work night shifts, so. My shift just ended like an hour or so ago. I mean, technically no you work morning shifts if you really, if you really want to look at it. But yeah, there, there's no reason for me to like, I can't get eight hours of sleep because by the time we finish, if I go and try to have a normal night of sleep, I'm going to miss the whole deadline. So what I'm probably going to end up doing, which I tend to do on big days, is I will stay up and I will work for another couple of hours. I'll take a nap and then I'll be back up, back at it, you know, two, three hours of sleep. It'll be a busy day. And then after that, I am off Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I will finally get to relax. You will get to relax. But these are the days, man. This is why they pay us the not so big bucks, because this is when it gets really busy. We've got a lot to talk about today. We are going to start. Amazingly, it was a very slow week. We finally have a real trade. We have DeLon Wright, backup guard for the Detroit Pistons, going to the Sacramento Kings for Corey Joseph and two second round picks. Before I turn into a cap nerd, Colin, what are your initial thoughts? Hold on, let me catch my breath. I'm, I'm getting a little faint. This is this is exactly what we're looking for a trade deadline, right? DeLon Wright and Corey Joseph, Whew, big names. Well, you know they t- they say don't get your expectations up, but like then they just get blown. Like this is just blowing them through the doors. Like whoa, come on, you gotta yeah. you gotta give us a little warning before you blow into this stuff. This is, this is like you sit down in the restaurant instead of bread, they bring you a Salisbury steak. They're like let's go. This is the main course right now. What's the best? bread substitute you've ever gotten at a restaurant this isn't good but there's a place in new york that used to bring radishes instead of bread i always thought that was really weird that's odd yeah i've had like uh like candied peanuts with like a little oh, some a like herbs one. sprinkled on them those are pretty good all right let me here's a pro tip you ever been to prime on 12 in miami i have not they have bacon at the bar so if you're waiting for a table and spoiler alert in miami you wait for tables like your reservations are really more of a suggestion than 
you know, anything hard and fast, but they've got bacon at the bar. So it's, it's a really a delight. That sounds wonderful. Well, DeLon Wright is. isn't going to be waiting for any tables in Sacramento since he's going to be the savior coming in. To I'm not that. insulting Sacramento again. You're not baiting <laughs> me into this. Hey, I used to live about 30 miles from Sacramento. and uh, In the far uh, superior Let's just say area? we didn't spend a lot of time in the city. Let's just put yeah, it that I way. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, um, initial reaction, I'm not sure. Like, Look, I'll, I like DeLon Wright as much as the next guy. I think when he's gotten the opportunity to play, as he has, uh, he did a little bit in Toronto, and now he's gotten some, some pretty good run in Detroit. Guy like you know, Memphis, too. He puts up you know triple doubles every once in a while. Seems like a solid point guard. Um his destiny is is almost, you know, quite obviously a backup somewhere. Um, I, I just don't get why the kick, like, what it, what is the upgrade here? Like, was Corey Joseph that bad that you needed to add some extra money uh, with DeLon Wright? That was my initial thought. I love it for the Pistons. I think it makes total sense. If he's not part of their plans, they got Killian Hayes and, you know, whatever young guys they want to bring in. Uh, makes sense for, to me to for them to get rid of him. I just don't quite understand why the Kings are doing this. Uh, maybe yeah, it's... I'll take this a step further. This was a great cap trade for the Pistons. Corey Joseph has a $12.6 million salary for next season, but only $2.4 million of that is guaranteed. DeLon Wright is at $8.5 million next year, but that's all guaranteed. So essentially, the Pistons are trading, or rather, the Pistons are getting two second-round picks to dump $6 million in salary. The idea, in theory, for Sacramento is that DeLon Wright is a good enough player that it justifies that. I really don't think that that's true. I mean, he's a backup, and he's a fine backup, and I think he'll give them minutes, and I've got nothing against this. Personally, I'm just never going to be too excited about paying non-shooting bench guards, but that's just me. The real issue for Sacramento here is that they're not capped out, but they need to have a significant amount of cap space this offseason if they want to re-sign Rashawn Holmes, who presumably is their center of the future, or at least should be, right? He's the only good center on the roster. Having a great season. Because because Marvin Bagley is not a center, as we discussed yesterday. And he's not Um, as good as Sadiq Bey. He only has early bird rights this offseason. That limits them to, I believe, $47 as an offer. Rashawn Holmes is probably going to get offered more than that. They're going to need cap space if they want to keep him. And they just took on $6 in extra salary. Now, it's not like they're capped out. They're still below the cap for next year, but... Every dollar is going to count for them. If they want to keep Holmes, which this trade indicates to me that maybe they don't unless they have something else coming, you know, this isn't really a great move. I mean, I'd rather have Rashawn Holmes than DeLon Wright, wouldn't you? Like my one, maybe the one reason to do this, are they going to trade Harrison Barnes into Boston's trade exception? Because that'll solve their financial problems at least. Yeah, you have to think. I mean, you know, Monty McNair is in charge there. It seems like this doesn't, seem like something that he would do so uh, you'd think that there's probably a game plan and you know what just occurred to me you mentioned Bagley like if they were trying to trade him for Sadiq Bey you think that was the original framework here was something around Bagley and Joseph for Wright and Bay somehow maybe I wouldn't be surprised if those were part of the early discussion With like some matching like, salary or something I have to imagine that the way that Sacramento swaggered into those negotiations was like hey Troy Troy Weaver We've got the opportunity of a lifetime for you, man. Here you go. Former number two overall pick, Marvin Bagley. You know, barely used, still in prime condition. We're willing to give him to you for former 19 overall pick, Sadiq Bay. Like, how could you turn that down? Yeah, basically give him wisely. Away. Yeah, Detroit wisely looked at that and said, absolutely not. I, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if those were connected talks. But, 
I mean, there was no way they were ever going to do Bagley for Bay. We don't need to be mean to Marvin Bagley, though. I mean, no, that's fine. I just, I, the I reason never... I don't like this trade is because it gets in the way of Tyrese Halliburton. And, like, every time I see Corey Joseph on the court handling the ball, I'm like, this should be Halliburton. And now I'm going to think the same thing when I see DeLon Wright, even though I do like him as a player. So I, I know Halliburton can play off the ball. He can do everything. I love that guy so much. But um, I would love to see, you know, him and Fox sharing the court a little bit and then really giving Halliburton the keys to that second unit and let him just just do what he can. And if you have another point guard there, especially one who you're paying, you know, a decent amount of money, it's just going to give them an excuse to not have Halliburton handling the ball, which the Kings should they, that's what they should be doing because they're not going right. to be a contender anytime soon. So just there's make a, those guys good. There's a part of me that thinks, well, maybe now they're going to trade Buddy Heald and that'll solve their financial issues. Number one, I'm not sure who's interested in Buddy Heald right now. I mean, if there was a big, robust market for him, we probably would have heard about it by now. But number two, even if you do that, like Buddy Heald can play off of the ball. DeLon Wright really can't, at least not if you plan on scoring a lot of points. So, I mean, he makes sense if you run a lot, but Luke Walton hasn't run a lot since he took over the Kings. I don't have a good explanation for this other than, like, he's a good player. And, like, there is something to the idea that getting good players is a way to become a good team. I'm not going to dismiss this entirely. Like, maybe they view DeLon Wright as, like, a $13 million player who's making $8 million. I disagree with that, but I can see if that's their logic, I at least understand why they made the trade. Kudos to Detroit for some of the weirdest cap management in all of the NBA. We saw this in the offseason. They were stretching everybody they got. Like, they have several players who are stretched. Blake Griffin got bought out with two years left on his deal, which is very rare. But now they get off DeLon Wright, and they're looking at around $13 million in cap space. Like, they could sign somebody half-decent this offseason if they get off of one or two more guys. Like, maybe you get another swing at another Jeremy Grant type, like another $20 million player. So... I like this a lot for Detroit. This is good for them. It's good flexibility, but I don't think the listeners need to hear that much more about DeLon Wright because now we have a really juicy rumor. Adrian Wojnarowski, with a big smile on his face, goes on ESPN on his fancy Woj Low special. They talk about Kyle Lowry, and he utters the words that threw Lakers Twitter into a frenzy for an entire day. One team not to be ruled out for Kyle Lowry is the defending champion Los Angeles Lakers. I have a lot to say, but I'm going to restrain myself, Colin, and let you go first. He knows exactly what he's doing, this Woj character, man. He knows how to get people riled up. Um, so what we've heard is Kyle Lowry, want, at least the reports, is that he would prefer to go to Miami or Philadelphia, which is hometown. Uh, we talked like, extensively about in that fairness, in the last podcast. I don't think he knew that the Lakers were a possibility because I didn't either. <laughs> So, okay, well, you can get into all that, like how they're actually going to do it. But uh, on paper, if this is something that Lowry's interested in, it sounds like the Raptors want to do everything they can to make Lowry happy. So if he's like, hey, let's make this happen with the Lakers and they see some pathway to do it. I mean, adding Lowry to, to Anthony Davis and LeBron James and the basketball IQ with Marcus Saul on the court, if he's still on the team, is just like like off the charts insane. And you get a, a proven playoff performer and another playmaker a guy who can play off the ball on the ball we've talked about all the reasons why Lowry is the perfect addition to a championship team so uh with what the Lakers are going through right now um I'm sure that the the idea of getting Kyle Lowry is just making them absolutely salivate you're probably a little more tapped into that than I am okay Sam deep breath I've got to prepare myself I have a lot to say first things first it's a little funny that the Lakers went so hard after Kawhi Leonard 
And now they might basically just get every other guy on that 2019 Raptors championship team. <laughs> like they got Danny Green, they got Marcus Gasol, maybe they'll get Kyle Lowry. Like they're probably trying to trade for Norm Powell as well. Like get a bucket to maybe... change locker rooms. Get, get right. Well, Trez did it. Like Montrezl <laughs> Harrell did it. So maybe next offseason it Baco do it too. So it'd be funny if they land everybody from that championship team except for Kawhi Leonard. I should add Kyle Lowry wants a, or rather. He wants the indication that he can get a two-year extension with his next team. It should be noted he is not currently eligible for an extension. That puts him in a little bit of a precarious position. But the Lakers are the rare team where a two-year $50 million extension for them would actually be like financially a pretty wise move. It would be savvy for them even because the alternative seems to be paying Dennis Schroeder four years and $100 million because right now Schroeder is eligible for four years and eighty. And he hasn't accepted it. It seems like he wants a payday. I would much rather have Lowry than Truder. So let's assume that Truder is in the trade. There are a couple of different constructions here. It's complicated because the Lakers are hard capped. But the way you can do this, there are two basic constructions. Truder and KCP basically gets you there. Maybe you throw in one or two other, like maybe like one or two other minimum guys. But in terms of salary, Truder and KCP basically get you there. If you want to keep KCP, the other way you can do it is Schroeder, Montrez Harrell, Wes Matthews, Talon Horton Tucker. That gets you to Lowry's $30 million. It leaves you enough to fill out the roster with minimums on the buyout market. I assume that the Raptors want Talon Horton Tucker or the Lakers' unprotected 2027 first-round pick. And you know what? My response is go make that trade. If you have a chance to get Kyle Lowry— You like, can have him. That's a third star. I don't care what it costs. Anything besides LeBron is untouchable, obviously. Anthony Davis is untouchable, obviously. And Kyle Kuzma is very complicated to trade, just given the poison pill in his contract, because he has base year compensation issues. That's what happens when you re-sign a third-year player. But Kuzma is probably financially off the table. But like, if they say, we want THT, you can have THT. If they say, and I can't believe I'm saying this, if they say we want Alex Caruso, you give them Alex Caruso. Like, oh my Kyle goodness. Lowry is what? that good. Can you mark down the time and date here? What is going on? I, I just, I have to talk about the fit a little bit here because, first of all, the Lakers, since LeBron got there, their bench units have been garbage. Like, that's been a through line dating back to the Lonzo Ingram team. Whenever LeBron leaves the game, they play terribly. Kyle Lowry is the bench unit king. Every year in Toronto, just put him with four developmental guys and it works. That would be a huge lift for the Lakers backups, especially if he's sharing his minutes with Anthony Davis. Like if your bench units are Lowry plus Davis, you're probably in a pretty good spot. Um, They don't have LeBron right now due to a high ankle sprain. Lowry could at least, you know, keep them afloat for the next month, keep them out of the play in, which I mean, right now it's not super likely. But like if LeBron and Davis are out another month, you might just lose every game. Right. Like they don't they don't look good without those two. So getting another star to kind of like weather the storm and keep you afloat for the next couple weeks to month, I say you do it. Now, the one complicating factor here is you might be going into a position where the playoffs start on May 15th, something like that, and your best team, your complete team, doesn't play together until like April 20th. That is a little scary, right? Like you're basically finding your chemistry on the fly, maybe even in the first round of the playoffs, but... The talent is so overwhelming, and I don't know where they think that they stand in relation to Brooklyn, but if there is any part of them that thinks 
well, Brooklyn has three stars and we have two. This is how you level the playing field. And if you have your three and they have their three, suddenly the fact that you play defense and they don't matters quite a bit more. Suddenly the depth that you think is better than Brooklyn's depth, that matters quite a bit more. So if you can get Kyle Lowry, like I say you do whatever it takes. You give up Horton Tucker, you give up picks, you give up Caruso. Whatever they ask for, I'm just doing it. I'm not looking back. One last note on this before I let you talk again. I know I've been monologuing for like 20 minutes at this is point. Is this a two-person I podcast? I thought, I I thought you were just doing Kyle it yourself. Lowry. You know my feelings on Kyle Lowry. I love him to death. He is my probably my favorite player in the NBA. I have gone to bat for him a million times. But one last note on this. LeBron James's contract runs out in 2023. If the Lakers gave Lowry a two-year deal this offseason, that's when his contract would expire as well. At the moment, the only money the Lakers have on the books for 2023 is Anthony Davis at the max. They have $4 million, I think it's $4.8 million guaranteed to Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And then Kyle Kuzma has a player option at like $13 million. You could conceivably make this Kyle Lowry trade, say, we are going all in through 2023, and then at that point, LeBron's off the books, Lowry's off the books, everyone's off the books. We have max cap space again, and we're finding the next star to pair with Anthony Davis. So this isn't a mortgage the future trade. It's a we are preparing for a reset in two years trade, which you can't do if you're paying Dennis Schroeder 25 million then. So I think you could even argue this is good for their future, too. If they can do it, if there's any feasible way to make this trade, please do it. Yeah, I think. I mean, first of all, what a soliloquy. That's like Shakespearean right there. We should put that in the archives. The only it, two players in the league I could do that about are Kyle Lowry and Alex Caruso, and they happen to both be in that soliloquy. That's in the, in the same rumor. It's amazing. Uh, if the Lakers could trade Kyle Lowry for Schroeder and KCP, like that would just be like highway robbery. Like, are you kidding me? That's not fair. So – we have to agree, as much as the Raptors might want to appease Kyle Lowry, there's no way they're doing that deal, right? Well, the way, if we are going to talk about the value that the Raptors have to get, I assume Taylor Horton Tucker is part of it, and the unprotected 2027 pick is part of it. That is the value, that's the comparable to, say, Philly giving up Tyrese Maxey in a first-round pick, or Miami giving up Duncan Robinson. Like, that's the comparable on that end. The other part of it is, Schroeder is not just matching salary, right? Like, Maybe they want to keep Schroeder, or maybe they can flip him to another team that needs a point guard. Like, you could conceivably get some extra value out of that. And if you do the version with Montrez Harrell and Wes Matthews, you could probably flip them too, right? Like, we've talked about Charlotte wanting Montrez Harrell. Maybe you flip him and you get another second-round pick out of the Hornets, or you get a young guy out of the Hornets. Maybe another contender wants Wes Matthews as a 3-and-D guy. Like, that's not just expiring salary. That is better than, say, Danny Green, Mike Scott, and Terrence Ferguson. That's pretty good salary that you're getting that maybe you could use for something else. So right. I think if and, they were all in, they'd have a perfectly acceptable package. And you make a good point. It's not, you know, is this package what we want? It's how does this package compare to anything else that we could get at this moment? So, uh, I mean, going back to like, yeah, the Lakers compromising their future, like giving up THT and the 2027 first round pick. I, I'm not worried about that. <laughs> Destroying the Lakers future, you know, so right. if that's the price. You, like I, well, like you said, you do it. That's the other thing. It's the Lakers. It's not the Bucks giving away all of their picks. If the Lakers don't have any young guys or picks, they just signed somebody else's young guys. They just signed whoever that some other team picked five years ago. Like, they'll be fine. They're the Lakers. 
Yeah. So, you know, big picture, you know, moving, zooming out a little bit, like the fact that the Lakers are now at least being talked about in these conversations is kind of a, a game changer in the league because we assumed, you know, Philadelphia or uh, Miami was going to get him. And then that would potentially make them a rival for Brooklyn. And then, you know, they could eventually end up playing a team like the Lakers in the finals. Now, if he goes to the Lakers, not only do the Lakers get him, but those other teams do not get him. And then if, you know, and all of your money on the Nets winning the East then. Yeah. But then also if there's any sort of injury to the Nets, which is more than possible, then you're looking at the Lakers in like a cakewalk, like a sweep. So. So let me just hypothetically, let's say both the Lakers and the Nets make the finals fully healthy. Kyle Lowry is on the Lakers. And let's say, let's say this is the form it takes. Schroeder, Harrell, Matthews, THT go to the Raptors. Lowry goes to the Lakers and then the Lakers get Andre Drummond in the buyout market. Those two teams play. What, what's your pick? Lakers. Lakers. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, I, I mean, say, maybe I'm wrong, but like, I don't know from what, what I saw last no, year. You know. Right now, I am very much in a – I'm 50-50 on the Nets and the Lakers. I think Kyle Lowry is enough to, like, swing it back in their direction. Like, Kyle I, Lowry, this is not adding, like, Terrence Ross. This is not adding, like, one of the smaller guys that we've discussed on various Lakers pods. This is an all-star. Like, this is very much one of the 25 best players who will play in the postseason. That is no small thing. That is somebody who, like, if we're being honest, like – Kyrie Irving is a better player than Kyle Lowry. Like if you're building a team from scratch, you'd rather have Kyrie Irving. Would you rather have Kyrie Irving as the third best player on your team than Kyle Lowry as the third best player on his? Like Kyle Lowry is better at third best player stuff, right? Right. And he's capable of on any given night being the best player. So that's something that you don't get out of these kind of second, third tier guys. I want this badly, man. Like I know the reporters. So was this on your radar before the the Woj bomb today, or this like, this was not this didn't cross my mind once in any meaningful way. Like wow. I might have tinkered on the trade machine, but I just sort of thought they they view Schroeder as a long term piece. I thought they wanted to extend him. And by the way, we shouldn't rule out this just being a leak by the Lakers to try to get some leverage with Schroeder. Like I wouldn't be surprised if before the deadline we hear that the Lakers have extended Dennis Schroeder. That wouldn't surprise me one bit if they get to a point where they're either close enough on Lowry or they can get Schroeder to believe that they're close enough on Lowry that he has no choice. So I wouldn't rule that out. I mean, frankly, if I'm being honest, my guess is that Lowry is a 76er by tomorrow. But this is really like this is the sort of meteor that you just don't usually get at the deadline. Like this is the sort of Marcus All 2019, Rashid Wallace 2004 trade that could legitimately swing the championship sort of thing. Right. And when we're talking about, you know, these leaks coming out, it's like obviously another reason to do something like that would be to kind of threaten the Sixers and or Heat and be like, hey, look, we got this package on the table. These guys are coming in. So the big bad Lakers. Are yeah. Coming, give it, which, by give the way, us, like give teams us have done title. before. That's what Kawhi did to the Clippers. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you have to look at every trade rumor with the with a grain of salt and think about who and why people would benefit from it. But uh, yeah, anytime you talk about an all-star going to the Lakers to join LeBron James and Anthony Davis. It's going to get people excited. How would that big three compare to the Heat big three? You mean Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, no, no. and Bam Adebayo? The other Heat big three. <laughs> the, the original one. The one with the welcome party and everything. The Heatles. Uh, well, okay, yeah. So it's a, it's an interesting comparison because obviously LeBron was better. Um, yes. 
in different ways. You know, he's much smarter now. He controls the game. But, you know, that was pre- prime peak, just destroying the league, LeBron. That was um, best athlete in NBA history, LeBron. Yeah. Anthony Davis is much better than Chris Bosh. I think we can all agree on that. Um, and Lowry, while probably not Dwayne Wade, is older. So, you know, you give Wade the edge there. That's a good question. It's, Lowry's a better fit, but, I mean, LeBron and Wade figured each other out so thoroughly, so quickly. Like, Lowry is not the cutter that Dwayne Wade is. Like, Dwayne Wade is one of the five best cutters in NBA history. So, I think I would probably lean the Heat three just because of the youth. But yeah. if everyone is in their prime, I'm taking the Laker three. Yeah, and it also comes down to, to how good is Anthony Davis. Like, if it's Anthony Davis from the right. bubble last year, I think you got a real you got a real competition. But if, if he's... It's, well, if the Lakers have the two guys they had in the bubble last year, they have the two best players in the NBA, right? Like, is anybody better than LeBron and Davis were in Orlando? Like, maybe Durant? Are we counting, like, 2012 LeBron? No, no, I'm saying just this <laughs> Just season. right now, yeah. If, we, if yeah. we assume that Davis is the same player he was last year, like, I don't think people fully appreciate how good Davis was. Like, I think you could make a compelling argument that Davis just had the best defensive postseason of the century. Has anybody been better than he was? He was incredible. He did get to play against the Rockets for a series, and that helped. Well, I mean, the Rockets had James Harden, who, if you ask Daryl <laughs> Morey, is better than Michael Jordan. So, he like, just, that's no I just remember him <laughs> just playing that, like, Harden would drive, and he would just play that cat-and-mouse game where yeah. he would take away the lob and take away the floater at the same time that's and the take thing. away the passing so- lanes. He's so long that he doesn't have to move to do that. It's not a cat and mouse. He's doing that the moment you call up the high screen. It's like, uh uh-oh, I got nowhere to go. Help. Right. Like, I think Brooklyn is the one team that can really test Davis defensively because, like, Durant is just as long as him. So, like, that game is much more interesting with Kevin Durant playing it. But that's a question for another day. But, like, man, I I think there are, like, maybe five players in the NBA that are, like, realistically acquirable. Like, Sure, if the Lakers got Kevin Durant, they'd be unstoppable. Like, of guys that are like reasonably attainable, there are very few guys that I would rather have for the Lakers than Kyle Lowry. Like, you could honestly argue that you'd rather have Kyle Lowry for that team than Bradley Beal, just because of the defense. It's an, yeah, and uh, you know, obviously the age factors into it. But if you're talking about one season, like yeah, let's go to the, the championship. Yeah, man. I mean, it's hard to pick a, a better player than Kyle Lowry. He'll fit into anywhere. I mean, some team is going to get him and be very, very happy tomorrow. Like, the team that gets him is going to see their championship odds improve substantially. Crazy. I can't wait. And you need to stop saying tomorrow. It's later today. God, you're right. Well, we are on (laughs) media schedules. But anything else on Kyle Lowry before we move on to the players that aren't as good as Kyle Lowry? Uh, Oh, well, just what what a farewell if this was his last game as a Raptor. The old plus 42. Just absolutely high. smoke the Denver Nuggets. Uh, they well, they shot 50% from three. They made 24 threes. Like, th- that's a going away party. He gave, like, the deuces, like, peace sign on his way to the locker room. So uh, it sucks it had to be in Tampa and it wasn't in Toronto, but uh, a hell of a last game for Lowry oh. if that was his last game as a Raptor. The Raptors gave Kawhi Leonard just an awesome ceremony when he came back to Toronto with the footstep silhouette. Like, that was very cool. I'm sure Kyle Lowry is going to get something similar when he goes back to Toronto. Raptors are just, they're they're very, they're an eclectic team. Like there's, they have those games where they shoot the lights out and they look like the old Raptors, but most of the season it's not been like that. So, oh, did you see that Drake FaceTimed him during his press conference? 
I saw that we have a story about that on CBSSports.com. Uh, I did not by a it. certain somebody. <laughs> Who could that be? Um, I I wanted to be a Laker. That's just my last thought. I, yeah. I I don't have anything more productive to say. Like, it would be really fun to see him on Philly. I think that would make the East a lot more interesting. I guess it would be cool to see him in Miami, but I'll be honest. Like, I'd rather Miami just stand pat and run with what they have. He would be such a blast on the Lakers. That would be that's that's the perfect guy for them. I agree. I think he'll be in Philly, but that's just my yeah. Guess. I I agree. I I think he's going to be in Philly too. Now we're going to move on to guys that aren't as good as Kyle Lowry, which is a little bit of a bummer. But you know what? Like I'm sorry, Andre Drummond. You've been on the trade market for two months now, and I can assure you, teams are not offering Tyrese Maxey in a first round pick for you. So what? we assumed entering today or entering yesterday or this time is a flat circle. Entering whenever it is that we last woke up, that Andre Drummond was going to be bought out, and the prevailing wisdom was he would sign with the Lakers afterward. That's what I heard. Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer, off the top rope tonight, says that the New York Knicks have suddenly emerged as a serious destination for him. As astute listeners of this podcast will recall, we, we talked about that a little bit when Andre Drummond was first pulled out of the lineup, that the Knicks might want him because Mitchell Robinson was then out with a fractured hand. Here's where things get weird. Mitchell Robinson is back, and Nerlens Noel is still there. And played pretty well want, when Robinson was out. Right. Why do they want Andre Drummond? It's a great question. Um, uh, I guess you think maybe if you bring him in, you might be able to get him a little bit cheaper in the offseason. Uh, well, why I'm do not, you want him in the offseason? <laughs> well, this is, look, man, I'm not, I'm not pretending to understand what the Knicks are doing here, but... I do think, and I think other people have mentioned this, that Andre Drummond might be even a little bit underrated at this point just because his salary was so high. And if I he's don't a, disagree. Right. Is he better than Mitchell Robinson? No. And well, this, is the, this, is the, this is the problem that the Knicks are in, right, is that they want to – Tibbs wants to make the playoffs. I think their front office probably does too. But they should be rebuilding, and they're in this weird spot that Julius Randle got really good, like really, really good. And now they're like expecting to be good. And if you, and, and by through that lens, picking up Andre Drummond's like, yeah, this guy's going to help us win. Through the other lens of, you know, we need to develop Mitchell Robinson and RJ Barrett, getting Andre Drummond is probably a really bad idea. So it's a, again that they're kind of in this limbo where they can go either direction. And if you try to do both, you're probably going to end up just going nowhere. Well, here's the really weird thing about this. The Knicks could just trade for Drummond, and because they have $15 million in cap space, they could do it pretty easily. They'd only need to send out $13.7 million, which they have a bunch of guys in that 5 to $8 million range. It would not be hard for them to come up with a salary. But because they have that $15 million in cap space, if he gets bought out, they could just sign him to a long-term deal in March. Like, they could just sign him to a free agent-style contract. When was the last time you saw like a four-year deal given out in the middle of the season to a free agent? Yeah, that's I don't wild. think that's ever happened. Like, Andre Drummond has been him. bought out. He signed a four-year, seventy million dollar contract. Right. I, I think I saw it was four years, sixty-four million is I think as high as they can go. I haven't done the math myself. I've never seen anything like that. It's utterly ridiculous. Like a guy that the that the Cavs can't give him away right now, literally, could potentially get like a long-term deal on the buyout market. And meanwhile, like, let's say you're the Lakers and you're talking about trading Montrez Harrell because you think Andre Drummond is coming. You get to the deadline. He doesn't get traded. Like, hooray, we're getting our guy. Woohoo. 
Then all of a sudden you hear the Knicks are giving him $60 million. And well, you're just out of luck. You already gave away Montrez Harrell. You can't take that trade back if you've done it. So this puts a lot of teams in a very complicated position. I know Brooklyn would like him too. Like there are a lot of teams that want Andre Drummond. They just want him for the minimum. They don't want him for 28 million. Yeah, and that's the part of the problem with the buyout market, right? Is like uh, you say, oh, well, we don't want to waste assets when we can just get guys in the buyout market. But like, what if this happens? You know, like, what if a, a team comes out of nowhere and says, we'll give you more than the minimum? Or a team all of a sudden at the last second is like, yeah, we'll throw in a, a second round pick for him. Why not? And then you lose them. So it's a dangerous well, game to play. You got to kind of gauge the market. I can just see so many better uses for their cap space. This is going to be a nice segue first. J.J. Redick would be a great use of that cap space for a few reasons. Number one, they sorely need shooting. They can just fit him into their space by a trade right now. Like They could just call the Pelicans and say, hey, take second-round pick for J.J. right now, you win, and they'd probably say yes because nobody's going to trade for J.J. So they could just absorb him. They need shooting. His family is in New York. Everybody assumes he's going to Brooklyn. Brooklyn and Manhattan are pretty close. Like That's not really an issue. I'm not a New York guy. I don't know. Well, the you issue take like, is, the uh, 17 train? They only go up to seven. So, wow, you really are not a New York guy, are you? Well, that's um, I'm seven, here's the real issue. The Knicks practice in Terrytown, which is not in New York City. It is in Westchester County. So most Knicks players actually don't live in Manhattan. They don't live in the city. Brooklyn does everything in Brooklyn. The practice facility is in Brooklyn. The arena is in Brooklyn. All the players live in Brooklyn. So it might actually be kind of inconvenient for JJ to live in Brooklyn. He lives in Dumbo, for those who don't know, which is my old neighborhood. But down he lives under in the Manhattan Bridge overpass. Yes, I learned that. You. I learned that when I went to I went to visit my friend in New York a couple of summers ago, back when we were allowed to do that sort of thing. And I was Good like, why do they call it Dumbo, like the elephant? And he's like, oh, you're an idiot, and explained yeah, it to me. Everything in New York is an acronym. Literally everything in New York. But anyway, that might be a little inconvenient to be commuting from Brooklyn to Terrytown. Like that that might take like well over an hour a day. Although I guess I don't know how traffic is during the pandemic, but. Still, I, I, that would be a little inconvenient, but if you're the Knicks, that'd be a nice little way to say, no, Brooklyn, we're not going to help you out. Like, in fact, we're going to keep you away. We're going to make it harder for you to win the title. So, yeah, I, but that I would also give the Knicks somebody who could make a three-point shot, and that might kind of mess up what they got going over there. Yeah, I guess Tibbs would just much rather have a center <laughs> than you know a shooter. Like, he makes sense. Here's the other really good use of the Knicks cap space, and this is a nice segue. We heard today from Joe Varden of The Athletic that – the New Orleans Pelicans, we have heard these Lonzo Ball rumors for months. We didn't know why. We thought we, we talked about this yesterday. They should keep him. It doesn't make sense. It's starting to make a little more sense because apparently New Orleans, part of the appeal for them of trading Lonzo Ball is that it gives them a chance to get off of some of their long-term money. That would be Eric Bledsoe, who has signed to two years after this, and Steven Adams, who signed for two years after this. Now, here's why that's really a bad idea. They gave Steven Adams that extension this offseason. They traded for Eric Bledsoe themselves. David Griffin was not saddled with these bad contracts. They were contracts that he willingly accepted. And now he's giving up a former number two overall pick, a great pick with, fit with Zion, just to get off of that money? Really? I wonder if he's thinking, like, like – I mean, you, this guy's a really smart executive. So, I mean, do you think he thought oh, the extension is one thing? I don't think that had anything to do with the trade. But I think they knew when they acquired Bledsoe that he wasn't really going to be a part of their team. So, and it would be a difficult contract to trade. So, do you think he maybe knew that, like, 
at that point, he didn't really see Lonzo as part of the future. They drafted Kyra Lewis as, you know, another young point guard. Um, maybe they were thinking about this in advance and were like, hey, we can attach Bledsoe and that'll help get rid of him uh, if we want to get rid of Lonzo, something I, like that. My counterpoint is that the Pelicans have a billion first-round picks. Like, they own all of Milwaukee's picks. They own all of the Laker picks. Like, would it be that hard for them to just give up one of those picks to get off of Bledsoe? Really? You're giving away Lonzo Ball as like a core piece. You'd rather have the number 27 pick in 2025? It's a good point. Um, my only thought was that maybe at that time they didn't think Lonzo was going to be as good as he is. Maybe they thought his three-point shooting from last year was kind of a mirage and it was going to plummet, which it kind of did, and now it's back to being awesome. So I'm arguing that right now you don't have to trade Lonzo Ball. Like, Griff, you can walk away from the phone. You can do nothing at the deadline. So I sincerely hope that they don't let finances force them into making a bad trade. Like, if you really need to get off of long-term money, you have enough picks to do it. Like, call. you know what? Here's an idea. Call Brooklyn and say, hey, we will give you a first-round pick. Swap Eric Bledsoe for Spencer Dinwiddie right now. The Nets would do that in a heartbeat. You think? I think they would. I mean, Bledsoe could play for them, and they get a first-round pick, which they have none of right now. How far has it fallen for Eric Bledsoe, man? This is like a guy a few years ago was like, ooh, Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, well, really good addition. You know how we talked about Andre Drummond being potentially underrated because of his salary? Eric Bledsoe's in the same boat, right? Like, he's not a good $20 million a year player right now, but if you got him for the minimum on a buyout market, like, he'd be an awesome backup. Yeah, I guess. He's just so – I feel like he's gotten so much worse offensively. Like he's just he's shooting like forty one percent this year. He's just he's just bad. Again, you don't start him, you don't close him. But if you're alternative, like if you're Brooklyn, let's say, would you rather have fifteen TLC minutes or fifteen Eric Bledsoe minutes? It's a great point when you put it that way. Uh, no offense to my fellow hyphenated brother, but yeah, I think I'm giving those minutes to Bledsoe. Right, like Eric Bledsoe is kind of right now one of the pinnacles of the underrated because of his salary. He's a good player. He's just not a $20 million a year player. And let's be honest, like he's not in an ideal situation there either. Like there's sort of a weird timeshare with him and Lonzo where they're both kind of point guards, but not really. Kyra Lewis, they want to develop. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, they want to develop. Josh Hart wants more shots. He's been pretty clear about that in the past. Like he's not somebody who's going to be totally happy taking three shots in a game. He should like, be. There are a lot of mouths to feed there. We, can't shoot, man. We talked about Brandon Ingram being obsessed with his bag yesterday. Like, there are a lot of mouths to feed on that team. It's not a super comfortable situation. Yeah, and I think that's probably what's driving these rumors. But like we talked about on our last podcast, like of all the guys you're going to try to trade, why why is it Lonzo? Why is it Literally else? anyone else. Why not? <laughs> uh, listen, I'd rather that I'd rather they trade Kyra Lewis with Eric Bledsoe if they're that desperate to get off of him. And by the way, Pelicans, why are you that desperate to get off of two year contracts? Right, like. Are you trying to get into the cap space derby this offseason? Who do you want to sign? Yeah. It might, I mean, all this might just end up being a, a smokescreen, and maybe there's really not anything going on. Maybe it's a, you know, kind of a, a distraction from the move they're really trying to make, and we'll be surprised by something that happens before the deadline or over the summer. So I don't know. I, uh, I, I just, as we've said, we both sincerely hope that Lonzo is there for the long haul. Ingram, we could kind of both take or leave. But I, I just don't get it. Like, frankly, for them, I actually like the idea of holding on to those bad contracts. They're only two years after this one. Wait it out another year. And then all of a sudden, the summer of 2022 gets here. 
and you have $50 million in expiring salary, plus all of those extra first round picks, plus all of your young talent, like at that point, go trade for somebody really good. You have the tools to do it then. Yeah. And I think Adams, you know, he probably hasn't worked out the way they hope, but he does do the things that they wanted him to do to. Right. You know, they can't prevent... be surprised by the Stephen Adams experience. Right. They and they, they were trading for they prevent Zion from having to play center. He covers up for him rebounding and defensively. So it's like, you know, it's not perfect, but like you said, it's... best rebounding team in the league. There you go. Which doesn't mean much, I don't think, but it's a nice little feather in their cap. Griff has a blind spot when it comes to centers, though. Like, this is the guy who gave up two first-round picks for Timothy Mozgov. Oof. I'm sorry, like, every GM has a blind spot. Like, we can go through them if you want. Like, for Sean Marks, it's 2016 restricted free agents, right? Like, every GM has some blind spot that they're just, for whatever reason, not great about. Bill Belichick is terrible at drafting wide receivers. You got to take some gambles sometimes, you know? You got to – sometimes you – you hit the jackpot, you know, but you're going to have to throw away a lot of lottery tickets. Well, this was my point with Steven Adams was he's fine. Like he's a good starting center. Like I'd be happy to have him on my team. If that's what you wanted out of your center slot, why not just re-sign Derek Favors who only signed for the mid-level exception, who basically got half as much on this contract as Adams did. And then don't give up a first round pick to do it. They, uh, maybe Favors wanted to go back to Utah. I mean, something like well, that. They had bird rights. They could have overpaid if they'd really wanted to. But I don't. I, I didn't get a lot of what New Orleans did this offseason. And if they give up Lonzo Ball to clear off money, like if they use Lonzo Ball to make up for mistakes they made this offseason, I would be really disappointed because I think we all want Zion to be on a contender as quickly as possible. And like that's not me saying I want him traded to a contender. That's me saying. I want the Pelicans to be a contender very soon, and I think they are taking steps to prevent that if they trade Lonzo Ball to dump money. Yeah, I, I, I the more I think about it, the more I kind of, I don't know. I think he's staying personally. I, I agree. I think this trade stuff was was a much bigger thing like a month ago or like two months ago, and the way he's played, it just doesn't make any sense. I will say there might be some credence to like. You saw that his dad does not want him in New Orleans. His dad doesn't want him playing that kind of shooting guard hybrid role where he's kind of the transition point guard, but in the half court, Zion has the ball and he's more of a shooter and a defender. Like maybe he just doesn't like doing that. Maybe he's somebody who just wants to run the offense wherever he goes. Like if that's the case, if if he's not happy there and, you know, maybe he takes the qualifying offer or maybe he asked for a trade in a year, like, Maybe you're getting ahead of it. Maybe that's a good reason. But if Ball wants to be there, and I mean, I don't know if he does. I, I've never spoken to him. But if he wants to be there, you should want him there. Yeah, he doesn't. I mean, again, no inside information whatsoever. But like, from what I know, I've been watching him since high school. And he doesn't strike me as the I want to run the show type of point guard. I think he's, he, I mean, you see him when he plays. He's a he's a ball mover. He gets the ball and it's in his hands for a very short amount of time. And he likes to pass and hit aheads and those long outlets and all that stuff. So I don't think he's a guy who wants to be dribbling the shot clock out like James Harden and creating or, you know, like a Chris Paul type. So, I mean, maybe, maybe he wants to do that. We were just talking off air about how a lot of players tend to think that they ha- are suitable for roles that they're not quite suitable for. So you guess you never know. He has found his right position this year. Like, I think he was miscast as a point guard for most of his career. He's just not like, he's not a good enough, attacker to be a point guard in the NBA like defenses just don't respect him as a scorer he has to play off of the ball and his passing is still very valuable I'm not saying he should never have the ball but I think the Pelicans have found the right way to use him it would be a shame if that went to waste 
Now we have to talk about a player that I, I covered him for two years with the Lakers. Apparently, there is a strong market. This is in quotes, so like this is not me. For JaVale McGee, and my question is just why? Why, why do you want JaVale McGee on your team? He shoots threes now, man. Let it rain. He's a modern big man. Wild stat. I I'm, love wild this stats. Is just, this is what the NBA is today. JaVale McGee has attempted as many three-pointers this season as Mark Gasol has used post-ups. They have both <laughs> used 20, 20 threes for JaVale McGee, 20 post-ups for Marcus Gasol. And, like, Marcus Gasol is older. Marcus Gasol was never somebody who, you know, he was not Joel Embiid. He's not somebody who's posting up 10, 10 times a game. Marcus Gasol was, like, a multi-time all-star center. Imagine telling somebody that an all-star center is not taking as many threes, not using as many post-ups as JaVale McGee is taking threes. My God, like, JaVale, and by the way, if you watch these Cavs games, and I implore you not to because watching the Cavs is not fun right now, JaVale takes shots that no other player in the NBA takes, and that's not a compliment. I don't know if you can call some of the things that he does shots either. It's, it's like a lot of, like, long, like, finger rolls. He tries to do, like, the Dr. J, like, under the backboard reverse layups and just kind of ends up throwing it in, in the air. So it's, I mean, look, entertainment value nonstop. I would want that guy on my team. I, uh, you know, you got to cover him with the Lakers. I got to cover him in Golden State. And his teammates seem to love him. He seems like a really fun guy. He uh, was the MVP of the championship parade that I went to, uh, just going wild and getting the crowd involved and all that stuff. Um, I mean, he was good for the Lakers, right? He did the role that he, he was well, expected to play. So he I, played, can see why, yeah. I can see why a contender would want to add him because of what they saw last year. He played well as a 15-minute-a-game sort of starter. He was not playable in the playoffs. That became very clear. There was a stretch of, I think, like the first 13 games, including the playoffs in the bubble last year, where he was a negative plus-minus in every single game. Like, there's a reason that Dwight Howard was the main center and Anthony Davis, too. By the time things got serious, they were just not playing Dale McGee. He's not somebody you can trust in the playoffs. Have you noticed that the wild shots and the, like, I'm going to ISO my man up at like the top of the key. If you notice those always come after a turnover or after a foul, like he sort of has that, like I need to prove myself to, to my team symptom, but in the weirdest possible way, because like after a turnover, if you're seven foot JaVale McGee, who's maybe not a great ball handler, like the solution is not, yeah, I'm going to take my man off the dribble. Like the solution is get back on defense and play your, play your role. I also think there's a little bit of like a particularly with the Cavs, you probably couldn't get away with this with the Lakers, but like there's a lot of like I might play eight minutes this game, but if I play well, I might play 20 minutes this game. So it's like if he takes a crazy shot or or does something wild and he misses, it's like, well, I'm going to get pulled because I was going to get pulled anyway. But if he makes it and starts to feel a little bit, then it's like, okay. So I feel like some of these things are just like he feels like he's got nothing to lose, particularly on a bad Cleveland team. But, Do you have any teams that you like for him? I know. I was just thinking about that. Like, it, I guess he's like kind of a fallback for like the Nets and teams that need a, a big man who just might not get anybody. But so is this strong, strong consideration or whatever it is, a uh, strong market? This is for a trade? This is for a trade. They think that oh somebody is going to give something up to get Javale. I'm like, look, I'll stress. I think Javale is fine as a regular season player. I just... If you think that you're going to get real like playoff finals minutes out of JaVale McGee, I just I think you're in for a rude awakening. I'll throw a team out there. What about Phoenix? 
because Phoenix is very heavily reliant on those Dario Sarge bench minutes, and they are killing teams when they put Dario Sarge at center. I don't think that's something you can feasibly do in the playoffs. I think they need another big man for the Anthony Davis matchups, for, you know, Nikola Jokic maybe. Like, they need another big guy just to have for those matchups, even if it's only 10 or 15 minutes a game. I think that LaMarcus Aldridge is probably their first choice, and he's probably stylistically the easiest to replicate because he can shoot just like Sarge can. If he goes somewhere else, and I think, do you think he's going to Miami? Because I think he is. So if he goes to Miami and they don't have a better option, like I would like them. I think JaVale McGee could be a good 10 minute a game player for them. And I think Chris Paul would probably rein in some of his antics. LeBron yeah. did. Yeah. I think that that's a good call. And like I talk about a lot in this podcast is like teams want options and just having the option to put in a bigger guy for however many minutes you need to. Um, in that vein, uh, do you think the Clippers would have any interest just because they, they might need another big guy to contend with with the Davis, just like we're talking about? I have a theory. Oh. I think that the Clippers have now come to realize, I don't know how much market searching it took. I don't know who they're going after. I think they did the thing where they shopped Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly and you know maybe Marcus Morris with a bunch of second-round picks, and they looked around and they tried to offer those guys, and they came up with nothing. I think they probably realize at this point, if we're going to get a big time guard, whoever that is, I don't think they have enough to get Kyle Lowry regardless, but like maybe they want to get it on Norm Powell or, you know, maybe there's some other guard that like we've heard Ricky Rubio. I think that's not a great idea, but if there's a point guard type out for that, or even just like a scoring guard for them, they would probably have to give up a Vita Zubac. He's kind of their only good young player. Like he's their only probable long-term starter that's still pretty young and on a good deal if they do give up Zubats, which I'm going to say right now I have no information and I don't think they're going to do it just based on how much they seem to value him but if they want to get something they have to give something up and if they do they need another center so maybe JaVale makes sense for them then where like Serge is the starter you're going to play some Marcus Morris at center minutes but you have another big in your back pocket if you need one. Yeah, I'm into that. And now that Fiondu Cabangeli is gone, they really have no prospects. That was the only guy anybody really wanted. I, I knew my soliloquy should have gone longer. I knew I should have spoken longer. That was a joke. <laughs> yeah, the Clippers are really going to miss Fiondu Cabangeli, but you know they probably assume that they're going to get somebody on the buyout market. I don't think, like we saw Woj say today, that they would be interested in Andre Drummond. I don't think they have a real chance to get him. I think it's either the Lakers or the Nets for him, or the Knicks if they're willing to give him a long-term deal or trade for him. So the Clippers, they'll be on the lookout for another big, and now they have the roster spot to fit one in. But I guess, well, first of all, they have hard cap issues. So I don't think they're going to trade for him. It would have to be in a buyout, and I don't think they would be his first choice. Yeah, that's always the problem with buyouts, too, is that you could want the guy, but they have the choice, basically, of where they want to go. So You'd want to go to Brooklyn, right? That'd be your guess? I would imagine. I mean, unless like they get end up with Drummond and then, you know, they don't need JaVale. So it's like it's hard to predict this stuff because you just there's so many moving parts and, and it's like dominoes. Right. So like somebody signed or somebody tr- gets traded somewhere is off the market. Then you got to go to the buyout market and then this guy signs with this team and then there's this guy left. So um, uh, for those who are wondering, by the way, the Lakers cannot reacquire. Oh, that's interesting. So, sorry. I, I believe a year has to pass after the trade before they can reacquire. Maybe that changes. Maybe it's the league year, 
but they can't bring him back in. So even if they trade Harrell, he's not a replacement option. Who was that? The, who was that rule for? It was uh... Devin George. No, it was that Devin. No, no, Devin was George a... was the one who re- who rejected the trade, and then it was Keith Van Horn. That's Keith... no, was it Keith Van? Horn? It was a Maverick of some sort. It was a it was a setter of some kind. Was it Sackhouse? Maybe like he was gonna get traded for Jason Kidd, and the Nets were gonna cut him, and he kind of like. Yeah, they tweeted or he told a reporter, like, see you in 30 days. It was something <laughs> like that. I can't remember who it was exactly. I think it was the Jason Kidd trade where the Mavericks sent somebody out and they were like, I'll be back in 30 days. I, I can't remember who it was, but then the league changed that rule after that. That was the Jason Kidd trade was fascinating because that was Devin George using his um, implicit no trade clause to reject the deal and they had to rework it. And then I think that was Keith Van Horn coming out of retirement just to make the cap numbers work. So oh, that's awesome. one day we'll go back and do a cap nerdery on the Jason Kidd 2008 um, trade. So that was a very fascinating situation, but I don't think people care about Keith Van Horn on this show. Uh, well, don't be, don't underestimate. We have a strong Utah fan base. I've, I've seen the demographics. We have like, I've checked the demographics and I just want to say shout out to like the one person in Poland who was downloaded from us. Like, let's go. I see you and I appreciate you. Like, let's go. We, we've had people from all over the place. Like I, I appreciate you. Yeah. I saw that. That's an interesting map to look at. We're doing pretty well in India. That's good. Love Are it. we really? I didn't even yeah. realize. And by yeah, well, I mean like, you know, three people, but Hey, more than other countries. Canada has supported us, but I think that's because I've always supported them. I think once I said that Kyle Lowry was better than Russell Westbrook, I like sort of set myself up for immigration if that's what I want. Yeah, you can like, do I no think wrong. if I just if I flash that at the border, they're gonna be like, okay, you're good, come in. <laughs> like I said, my wife's Canadian, so I have uh, I, I'm actually a permanent resident of Canada, even though I've never lived there, just by virtue of being married to my wife, who's a Canadian citizen. So is that how like the Queen of England owns all of the ducks in the in the United Kingdoms? Like it's just like a, it's, it's something that's written into law but means nothing. Make it so. Yeah, it's it's just what they say it is. Everything's just an abstract. You can just make it up. How many times have you been to Canada in your life? Oh, a lot. We go visit our family and stuff, so I, uh, I don't know, at least 10. You know what? Shout out to your wife. Canada, love a Canadian. You know, she's a great baker. Like, shout out to Hannah. Thank you. Picked a good one. We should talk about basketball. What other basketball stuff? Do she played about? basketball at Quinnipiac. We can get into all of her yeah. stats and all that stuff. I did sports information. Let's just keep it going. Give the people what they want. We'll have her as a guest. There we go. You know what? Here's what we'll do. I'll have her as a guest. So you can't interfere. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Can't and steer I promise in directions. To any listeners who are interested in my love life, I am single. But I promise you, Colin, when I find a significant other, you can interview her. I'm going to interview all your Tinder dates. I don't think that would be a great idea. But <laughs> you know what? Probably a good podcast. It'd be a great podcast. I, there are some, like, I, I would very much like to know what, like, we're not insiders. Like, we're pretty, we're media people. But, like, I would love to know what it's like to date somebody like Woj or Shams at this time of year. Like, I think that would be a fascinating little documentary. They're just, like, out, like, getting, like, chips and guacamole. And it's like, oh, wait, oh, sorry, babe, I got to go. Woj pulled the I have to break a trade on air today where he I was talking that. about that was, Kyle Lowry. And that was pretty baller. The DeLon Wright trade breaks during SportsCenter. Like, hold on one sec. Just got to, yeah, I'm going to break a trade right now. So I think we've worked through all of the big rumors. We're now uh, 10 and a half hours short of the deadline. Any overarching deadline thoughts? This will be our last episode before the deadline. 
I assume we'll do something tomorrow afterward, but well, how are you feeling? We're now um, 10 and a half hours away. I feel good. I think uh, I wish there were more kind of game changers. I think Lowry, as we've mentioned, is kind of the only guy who we think can actually move the needle this season. Um, I would have loved for Beal to be a part of this just because it would make things a lot more exciting. Um, but overall, to have Lowry as kind of your main guy, and it really, really seems like he's not going to stay. So um, figuring also, out what the deal usually, is and where he's going will be fun. If Bradley Beal were in this, it might not be like a championship-altering sort of deal because Bradley Beal is in his prime, and like he might just go to the Pelicans, or like he might go to a team that isn't ready to win right now. Oh, Kyle Lowry turns 35, I guess, today. Like, happy birthday, Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry, like, you have to, if you're getting somebody that old, you have to be ready to win the title now. So wherever he goes, it is going to change the championship picture in some way. That's a good point, because he can't go to a team that's like, yeah, we'll use him uh, in three years. It's like, well, probably not. Contrary to your desires, Colin, he is not going to the Chicago Bulls. How dare you? I'm telling you to watch out for the dark horse, man. Masai, you never know. What I'm trying to think of what the like what if the Knicks traded for him now after all these years? What if James Dolan <laughs> finally accepted a Kyle Lowry trade? I mean it's right it's far for the course, right? Getting the guy. Twenty twenty one, things are looking up, people are getting vaccines, anything can happen, man. But that would impede upon their Andre Drummond pursuit, so I guess they can't do it. How are you feeling about the deadline? I am dreading what will be a very exhausting day. This is I mean, a little bit behind the curtain. This is the busiest day of the year for people in the media, in the media right? Like, final trade, days. Trade grades. Wrong. Trade grades, baby. We're going to be writing a lot of trade grades today. Um, the finals aren't that hard, at least in my opinion, because there's one game and then there's two days off. So you have time to digest things, right? Like, everybody's watching the same single game. On the trade deadline, you might get six big trades at once. And by the way, we have heard today that there are some teams – that are pretty frustrated with Toronto and Orlando because they hold all the cards right now. They're the big sellers, and they haven't done anything yet. We might get to a point where we're an hour before the deadline, and Toronto and Orlando finally just say, okay, here are all of our moves, and we get five trades in a 10-minute period. Like, this is the busiest day of our year, so I, I'm going to be – I'm pretty I'm, – I'm, I'm not going to say I'm dreading it. Like, it's obviously super fun, but it's going to be a tiring day. I'm not going to get much sleep, but then – you know, we'll get through it. It'll be a fun day. We'll pot again tomorrow. And then after that, I will sleep for the whole weekend. You got it. You a coffee guy, or like an energy drink guy. What's your what's your go to? The only liquid aside from alcohol that enters my body is water. I only drink water. It is my one super healthy habit. Um, I honestly, I'll just set an alarm and I'll be super miserable. And I will probably snap at somebody on Slack today. I always do on the pressureful days. I'm sorry to our coworkers. I'm just not going to be in a great mood. I'm going to be sleepy. But you know what? We're going to get through it. It's going to be hopefully an exciting deadline. I imagine it will. At the very least, no matter what happens with Kyle Lowry, we're going to have that to talk about. And then hopefully quite a bit more. So, Colin, that'll do it for us today. We will be back tomorrow to talk about whatever it is that happens in the next 10 and a half hours. I'm glad that we're getting this up now. Because for us, it's 1.30 in the morning. On the East Coast, it's 4.30. By the time we get this up, the morning crowd will be waking up and, like, we'll beat people to press. Like, all right, good for it's us. It's almost gonna, like we planned it out. We're going to be the podcast of record for, like, the first hour of this morning. Can't beat it. That's how you get people to listen. We're the first ones. They give um, people no choice. So you have to listen to us. There's nobody else. Us or nothing. That's Colin, right. pleasure as always. And we will be back tomorrow. 
Thanks, man. Today. Woohoo!